0: the incomparable podcast number 96 june 2012
1: welcome back to the incomparable podcast i'm your host jason snell and i am here to with three lovely panelists to talk to you about the hugo awards this is something that we've done i think all three years of the incomparable's existence we're going to talk about uh the books that were nominated. For the Hugo Award this year, the Hugo Award is an award bestowed by science fiction fans on the best novel and also various categories of short stories and TV shows and movies and things like that. Um, And I've always sort of treated it with some degree of reverence because I, I sort of had a quest to read all the Hugo winning novels. And for the last few years, I've read all the nominees and I voted in the Hugo Awards because although I sort of treated the Hugo Awards as the Oscars of science fiction, um, in many ways, it's the People's Choice Awards of science fiction in that <laughs> anybody can pay to be a voter and then vote, and that explains perhaps the quality of some of the selections. But oh, be that as it oh may, dear. we are going to talk about it because it was always a way for me to, to, to get some books that I could read, and, and I you, you read the nominees. That sounds like a perfectly good idea. I questioned this idea this year, but... I I still read them all, and uh, I'm joined by people who've read various combinations of honored sci-fi books this year. Uh, First up, the man who reads everything, uh, my partner in crime when it comes to discussing a book uh, called Deadline that will be coming up. It's Scott McNulty. Hi, Scott.
2: Jason, I blame you for making me read another book by
1: Miragrath. I'm sorry. I blame (laughs) the voters I swear it was not me. I didn't want to read it either, but I did, just like you, because we are committed to the incomparable. I do it for the people. Yeah, that's right. It is for the people. It's because we love. Exactly. So, uh, also joining me today, you may have heard him murmuring to himself in the background there. It's Glenn Fleischman, who also reads many things. Hi, Glenn. I think you were
0: hearing me breathe deeply. That was the uh, that's what you heard.
1: Get some oxygen before we get started. It's always a good
0: Jason. I appreciate you do this every year. I call this it's Hugo Remo is how I think of it.
1: Okay, it's it's I I read Mo books this way. It's huge going away reading moment. Exactly something like that. Also joining us uh, our our other panelist is the uh, great and powerful Monty Ashley. Hi, Monty. Hugo girl (laughs) (laughs) wow no monty good night everybody and everybody (laughs) everybody else loses but monty wins yeah um so so i guess i should start by saying that uh we've actually we kind of called some of these books uh, in progress we did a an entire episode of the incomparable about george rr martin's a dance with dragons uh pop culture phenomenon the ice and fire books and the hbo series and uh and we did so, you know, we can't pat ourselves on the back too much, but it did get nominated for a Hugo Award. I find this funny since it's, you know, this fifth book in a an impenetrably long book series. So I I pity the person who tries to read all the Hugo nominees and hasn't read all the books that lead up to this, much like I pitied the people who tried to read uh Cryoburn having not read the eighteen previous Miles Vorkosigan books, but you know, them's the breaks sci-fi sci- sci- people love the series *Crowburn* is probably easier to get into than
2: uh a dance with dragons without and having read the previous volumes because i think she does a good job of kind of making them a little bit self-contained
1: yeah yeah and
3: and uh and dance
1: with dragons is just you know it's the next thousand no. pages huh. Exactly.
3: Um, I am surprised anyone thought A Dance with Dragons was one of the best five novels of the year.
1: Well, that seemed to be the consensus of, of the podcast episode we did, too, is that is that there were good parts in it, but there were also parts we didn't really like. And, you know, I thought it was better than the previous book, and I really liked the Theon Greyjoy stuff that's in it, but, but you know, it was a... You know, it was a middle chapter-y kind of setting things up and moving some stuff along. And I, I'm trying to remember, the other thing that bugged me about it was this sort of unnecessary cliffhangers where there were some cliffhangers where you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're going to resolve that in one chapter next time and it's not going to be that big a deal. And so why are you, even, we're coming back. We're, we've read this far. We're going to read some more. Why do you need the cliffhanger? But I don't know. So, so Monty, do you kind of go along with that? You read Dance with Dragons, right? So, no, no. No. <laughs> you just I've only finished two. The, yeah, I finished
3: right. the f- second book.
1: Am I the only one here who read that book? Ben? Yes. I've read it. Oh, oh Scott read no. it. No. I
2: I've read all of them. Oh, you read do it. You read everything. You read everything. Do you remember
1: Do you remember any of it though, the, Uh it's...
2: I do. I do. I think the Reek stuff like Jason said was fantastic. Yeah. I do I do find it I don't find it puzzling that it's been nominated mostly because of the juggernaut that is the Game of Thrones right now. Sure. Uh especially since People like Everybody is reading uh, these books now. I was at uh, a potluck a while back and one of my friends turned to me and said, Hey, Scott, have you read any of these Game of Thrones books? And I said, <laughs> let me tell you something. I read them <laughs> oh. before they were cool. But ah. uh, uh, well, he was not impressed. And then he, t- uh, <laughs> he tested you by asking you what happens in them and you couldn't remember. So. I, was, I have no idea what's going on in any of them. Uh, yes. And then I had and another person at the party – uh said oh yeah my mom is reading those books
0: <laughs> no, no longer like, cool. okay now we can well, no longer
2: read
1: them that's right we can't we can't read it's them. out the, we're out the coolness has uh exactly has evacuated well you know i i enjoyed parts of it and other parts were fine and i i i'm kind of committed to that series so i was happy to get another installment and uh but it is funny that the stuff that i think sticks with me the most is the is the 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 reek stuff and also uh you know maybe some of the stuff with uh you know um I don't know I mean some it's not sticking with me that well is it if I can't Apparently remember no, the guy the guy who's like the maybe another heir and he's got his whole like he he emerges from out of the oh, like the boat right, on the right. river and all of that that was kind of interesting yeah. in the whole whole journey of uh of uh on that boat with the various strange people that are on it out, yeah. out in the east but you know i I don't
2: know yeah i Do we really need yet another person playing the Game of
0: Thrones? (laughs) It's also funny. It's, you know, whenever you guys talk about George R.R. Martin, like, I gave up on him in the 1980s. I'm, like, hipster -er giver-upper on Martin-er, and um, so I know he's incredibly popular right now, but I just, I found his style sort of unreadable back then, and nothing I've heard since has made me want to devote the seven or eight years necessary
1: to catch up on this whole series. Yeah, yeah, let's
3: talk about wild cards right now. Yeah, I gave up on wild cards
1: after, like, the eighth book. So, but those came out faster because he enlisted um, other writers. But I I did like Wild Cards, though. I liked it a lot. Yeah,
3: but it seemed like it had really good ideas and set up a lot of stuff, and then kept going on and on and never really got anywhere. Never, no,
1: no. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, you got sort of got the sense. I guess they're rebooting that, but you sort of got the sense with Wild Cards that you know there was nobody really in charge, and it was just he and his friends kind of playing around with stuff, and so there wasn't there wasn't like any ultimate storyline that was going to happen. It was just, let's just play around in this world. Yeah,
0: so. it's just I always thought he was I always thought he was sort of second or third rate in the scheme of like interesting people to read, but he's prodigious. He's a working writer, he's sort of pulpy, right? And I mean, yeah. I always respect someone who produces, even if they pander a little, as long as they do the thing they want and people like what they do and it's not horrific. I mean, people certainly do like it and it's fun. So like I'm not gonna criticize him for that. I just never liked his writing. And so whenever he gets nominated for something this like this, I'm like, Yes, the popularity contest, people are all reading it yes. and thus they nominate it because they it's the one thing. Thing it's the only book you know what he does he prevents anything else from being nominated because it, it's the only book some voters it, yeah. can get exactly thank
1: you yeah thank yeah. you very much yeah so. no uh, although I'll, I'll just say it's not the worst uh, nominee so there you go oh. <gasps> uh, <laughs> it is not It is not Ooh, a yeah. teaser it is yes. far far, far from the worst. moving on <laughs> yes uh, we should talk about we did we also devoted an entire show to Embassy Town by China uh, Mieville I'd
0: love to talk about that for another hour can we do that because no. oh sorry all right.
1: lots of people didn't like Embassy town. I liked it although I didn't love it and it was definitely a letdown after the city and the city. but I, I, I found it kind of fascinating and interesting and I liked, I like how ambitious China Mieville is and he's a good writer even if there are some issues with it, its execution.
0: Should we do a little capsule summary? Because not everyone will have read all these. I mean, you right. sort of covered that with, with Dances with Dragons. You know, the Embassy Town is – it's kind of a sprawling novel, but it's a woman who – she's supposed to be a navigator to help move ships between stars. takes a while to move stuff. There's some interesting stuff that's, of course, abandoned later about what the space is like between <laughs> it's worlds. It's the immer.
1: It's the strange hyperspace kind of twisted space that they have yeah. to navigate.
0: Which is really kind of cool, and they introduce it for a while, and then that's gone, and there's some interesting things about interstellar commerce that are actually sort of cool, and there's robotics, which is sort of cool, and there's an alien species that's very hard to talk to on this planet that Earthlings have sort of settled a little bit of with permission of these alien bug-like species. They're in the
1: embassy town on this alien planet. The the Mm -hmm. humans are
0: there. And then they teach the aliens bad ideas and everything goes awry. Well,
1: so without going, going too far down – and I, yeah. I know the reason I like this book is because I, I was a communication major and not the kind of like TV and radio kind, the social science human communication kind. And, and Monty is rolling his eyes because he knows about the UCSD comm department. <laughs> anyway, I, I, uh, Monty, were you a comm major too?
3: No, I was a literature. Oh, major. good for you! That
1: was smarter. Uh, and so, so you can appreciate the literature aspect of of a book like this. But uh, you know, I liked that it was really about like miscommunicating or weird ways of communicating that aren't. Human and the aliens had this strange way of communicating where they, they everything yeah. was was referential and they would make new references. And it was a little like a really super highfalutin version of that Darmok episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where they Dama. speak in, in <laughs> metaphors true. but less fun. Uh, but I did I, like it oh, for that. I thought it was kind of like a ex- –
3: expanded universe version of the logic puzzle where there's a tribe that always lies and there's a tribe that always tells the truth.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, that's it cuz cuz as soon as the as soon as the aliens learned that you could say something that was counterfactual and not a reference to something that was direct, that's when all hell breaks loose and, and they rip off their wings. Yeah, they rip off their hearing limbs.
0: Here's the thing that I would say about Embassy Town because I'm I think I'm a bigger China Mayville fan than anybody on the the regular incomparable rotating cast of characters. I don't
1: know. Uh, because, I, I'm I'm close. Are I, 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 are I you? Really okay. Like well, him. I think okay. Well, like so him.
0: Embassy Town. You I think you liked Embassy Town more than I did. In fact, yeah. but I think ha. the thing about it is like the first third is sort of amazing. The middle third, sort of, you're like, wow, where is he going with this? And the last third, you're like, oh, really? I mean, that was <laughs> my reaction. I didn't think the payoff was anywhere near as good as. Yeah. I agree. Incredible setup and progression. And that's what made the novel disappointing for me. And that's why I think Dan Morin was livid, like red with rage. Yeah, about he it.
1: hated it. I yeah. I what one of the things I liked about Embassy Town is I felt like and again, this is maybe a good thing, but also a bad thing about Mayaville is he tries he tries so hard that Embassy Town reads to me like 10 different sci-fi novels yeah. that he didn't have time to write, and so he just jammed parts of them all together into one because he's got other stuff to write. So he's like, yeah. this part is about this embassy, and this part is about the navigators, and this part is about the, the war, uh, but you know, the civil war that's incited, and this part is about what happens after the civil war. And you know, I, I told – because my wife read this on my recommendation, and I was apologetic to her when I said we were going to be <laughs> doing this podcast. She said, no, no, I did like it. I just did it wasn't what I expected, and, and and that's that's what struck me about it too. It's like you'd finish a chapter and you'd be like, "Wow, where do they go from here?" And the answer is somewhere completely different with <laughs> the next chapter because he's on he's yeah. on to the next idea. Did you learn all that stuff about the immer? Forget it. Yeah, yeah, we're not going back out there until the the epilogue. Yeah, the,
0: here's here's the thing with. With Mieville, is he's so prolific, though. It's like, if we didn't like this one, next year there'll always be another, and this year we've got the uh, Moby Dick told with uh, railroads and moles, giant moles. I've, start, I've started on that better than I would have expected. He, he's... You know, there's there's the rule, which is if you have to make up uh, words just to even start the novel off and you have to learn new words and maybe you shouldn't start it. It's kind of called the Neil Stevenson rule, I yeah, think. Yeah, but
3: I but liked Anathem. And, uh, I loved Anathem. Uh, so. Anathem, Anathem actually, is yeah. about that. It justifies it completely. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, an, yeah, absolutely. Anathem rewired my brain. I feel like Mieville um, does some of that too. Mieville, Re- yeah, yeah. Embassy Town did too much. City in the City was a great – It was a very great. spare detective novel yes. version of rewiring the brain. So – but I think – I mean, Embassy Town uh, – it deserves to be in the Hugo finalist, though, wouldn't you agree? Even
3: with its failings, I think it's
0: one of the best – one of the most interesting interesting. Yes, I, I was novels. very mm-hmm. happy for it to be
1: nominated.
3: Yeah. There is a specific yes. line in Embassy Town that I want to complain about here on the internet. Yes. Oh. Lay it on uh, At one point near the end, the main character says, I told him, Revelation was spoiled for him, but I can retain it for you here which is China's excuse for a first-person character not telling us what the plan is going to be 20 pages from now. And that is cheating.
0: Yeah, But there's something where, you know, you're, you get angry when certain books that we'll discuss later are nominated for awards like this because <laughs> you think they don't deserve to be in the same company. In Embassy Town, it's like, I don't know if I would recommend people read it or not. I think I would because – even if they get mad after having read it, I think it exposes them to new ways of thinking. Right. So
2: well, yeah, sure. and, and it, it, it moves you to an emotion of some kind and you can realize as you're as you're reading it, you re you, you recognize that he is a good writer. You may not think that he successfully does what he's trying to do with the book, but I give him a lot of credit for
3: trying to do yeah. something different. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. really good world building. I didn't think it was successful storytelling. Yeah, yeah. that's it, exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and individual parts of it are beautifully written because he's a very good writer. But the story is sort of like, again, that's my feeling about like it, it keeps changing what it's about every chapter, and it, it that isn't necessarily good storytelling. That's like a slideshow, right? And it's like different <laughs> images, different little bits, but not really the story. And and there's a there's a whole thing about her. Like husband or blapsed husband who disappears and comes back later, that felt actually kind of cheap and and like a yeah. plot device that he needed. That to was a very back,
0: Stevenson yeah. Neil Stevenson thing that happens in uh, yeah. not in Quicksilver in Kryptonomicon. Uh, There's a character like that who's mentioned early on who doesn't seem very important and at the end comes back and does some crazy military style thing that is absolutely out of nowhere and sort of exactly as it happens in Embassy Town. Always irritated me in Kryptonomicon too.
1: Alright, should we uh move on to let's see. We touched upon we touched upon among others in a couple previous podcasts, and I want to bring it up again only because it is uh great and I can't believe we didn't just devote an entire podcast <laughs> to it, and it's gonna get my vote for the best novel of the year because it's the best novel of the year, I think. It it is by Joe Walton. It's a story about a girl who who is Welsh and she is in an in a school, a private school. She's been taken away from her mother's family to her father's family. Her mother's family is Welsh. Her father's family is English. She has never really known her father, um, but she's taken away and put in a school in England and she's lonely and she's starting to meet friends and she's reading, tearing through the science fiction in the library. So it's about science fiction. But what's funny about it is it, like, like the George R. R. Martin book, is actually a fantasy novel because her mother... And her family are like witches and there's this thing with spells and fairies and she has to go back to Wales and fight the fairies. And you're wondering, is she crazy or is she really reading sci-fi while living in a fantasy world, which I think is really what it, what it is. <laughs> but it's so, it's so great as a coming-of-age story and a love letter to kids who are socially maladjusted and are finding uh, – Finding uh, escape through science fiction, and also meeting friends because there's this book club that kind of shows up <laughs> where they where they discuss science fiction. Uh, so it's about us in, in ways too. I just I love this book. It's and she's such a great writer.
3: Yeah, it, it's about how science fiction gives her a family of friends, which it, is not only the way a lot of older science fiction fans like me feel, but it's the way a younger science fiction fan wants to feel. So it really spoke to me, although I wonder how good a book it is if you don't recognize every single title as she goes through it. <laughs> I, I missed I, half of them, honestly. I, uh, I haven't yeah.
1: read a lot of the canon of sci-fi, but I knew enough to be like, oh, she's going through the canon. And when she would hit a book that I, I have read or I know about, I I would I would perk up a little. But for me, it was like... I knew enough about it to get through it. I didn't need to relive those books that I read. So it worked for me, even though I haven't read a lot of that stuff.
0: We were just a few years behind when the book was written in terms of probably re- reading this kind of stuff. I started reading science fiction pretty seriously, probably right around then or a little later. And I was often because I'd buy used books or what have you, I was always maybe a few years behind. So what she was reading and the book takes place in, uh, 1979 and 19 early 1980, right. goes over the new year. Um, and, uh, what I th- I think I read not exactly the sequence, but a lot of that, because it was all contemporary, even if it was, you know, from four years before you work through stuff and she's reading stuff that goes back even a decade sometimes, or, or the revelation yeah. is a great bit where she's like, Oh, James T. Chiptree, One of my favorite authors will someday do a podcast about, you know, she's a, he, he's a, she <clears throat> and that great revelation. And she sort of even comments on how people reacted to that as that was happening contemporarily.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I have fond memories of going to the library, and there's a librarian, there's a school librarian in this who ends up going to the town library, so the libraries uh, figure in. And I went to the library, and I, I literally, I went through every sci-fi book in the children's section. And I, mm-hmm. by the time I got through with that, the librarian said, "You know, there's a whole adult sci-fi section upstairs." So I was like, what, what? "I want to go to there, right?" So it was <laughs> yeah. so that that I had I had that funness too that you know she's she's having a hard, a hard time making her way in the world, and she's reading these books and meeting these people, and that's all great. And then meanwhile, she's grappling with her mother casting spells on her, and the fact that she has to go back to Wales in order to fight the fairy ghost people, <laughs>
3: which is like I, you know that happened to me too. So yeah. I, I did not really identify with that part. I mostly well, assumed. She was but, crazy. Uh, no, I, uh, no, so no, no. So Joe Joe Walton, I
2: saw an interview with Joe Walton, oh. and she said, I am outraged that people think she's crazy. <laughs> she is not crazy. Th- that is actually happening. Yeah. Which no, kind of made the though. book a little less interesting to me.
1: But I still oh. think it is fantastically written. As you read, you wonder for a while, and then I finally am just come, I came to accept. It's like, no, this is real. In the terms of the book, it's totally real. It's the matter of factness is why people think yeah. that is that yeah. it's addressed. It's it's just part of her life, and she knows
0: some people can't see it, <clears throat> and she can. But then there's shades of it for different people. But it's just that is the warp and woof of that universe, and it's, so it's not told as this ooh fairy whoa blah, blah, blah. you know. She makes fun of herself. Um, the main character makes fun of herself in how she even, um, in how ridiculous it is, and she's like maybe Tolkien knew. Uh, fairies, maybe he actually knew them because, gosh, some of the stuff they do is so close. But it's like he made up the words they say because they don't really talk like that, and he wanted to give them, uh, you know, better presentation.
1: Right. I-, I also think that it's got to be. You know, in part, this book is about the the weird interface between fantasy and science fiction. And, I mean, it's purposeful. She's writing a fantasy novel in which the character reads science fiction. I think that's interesting. To I think a lot of her readers who are wondering if if she's crazy are people who are maybe a little more predisposed to sci-fi and a little less to fantasy.
3: And that's <laughs> well, kind she of funny, right? I think that's true. She didn't just read science fiction. She read the Zelazny Amber book. Well, that's true. She, that's true. She read part of Heinlein's Glory Road before – Pitching it aside
1: in disgust. All right. Fair enough. But she's reading all the genre stuff and yet she lives in a world where there are fantasy elements that are absolutely real. That's true. And I don't don't Mm -hmm.
2: think – I think that certainly it helps if you are a sci-fi fantasy fan reading this book. But I think if you are someone who grew up reading anything, uh, it is such a great book and you will uh, really identify with the main character other than the whole fairy thing uh, Mm -hmm. that it it is just a very satisfying book. And I've said it before but I think Joe Walton is – just a fantastic writer, and and so I think that uh, on in my blog post that I wrote about the, the the Hugo nominees, I said that among other among others is this year's Dervish House. In that, I think uh, it should win, but it is not going
0: to win. It's rather lovely. Is the is the thing about it is you read someone who writes like this, and you and like and I think that's true with Dervish House as well. Um, you you know, it's not work to read the book. She sucks you into the world she 's painting, and you 're in that girl 's life and When things happen that are unusual it 's just part of what 's happening it 's just beautiful to read it 's just she she also i think captures the ordinary human interactions in the middle of all the nonsense that 's going on and She does that thing I love uh, that any science fiction or fantasy author does, which is sets up expectations and then and then knocks them down through fantastical elements that are well integrated so you think of her father as sort of a sad sack who's under his sister's thumb, you know, they have the money. But as it goes on and – should should we spoiler horn? I don't want to give anything away. I don't know.
1: Um,
0: The uh, (laughs) – small spoiler. (laughs) The fact that the sisters turn out to have maybe some witchy powers without fully understanding themselves even that they do and that the father is actually being, you know, sort of essentially mystically compelled to be under their thumb to to do their bidding so they don't have to deal – as much with the world. I mean, that's a little beautiful thing where she then her relationship with her father shifts a little from sort of disgust to more pity. Mm. Can I bring up one other thing from the book? I don't mean to dominate discussion of this book because they all love it, too.
1: Go ahead, Glenn. Go uh, ahead.
0: Well, so the, the best thing in it is they, she she introduced the concept of fantasy retcon. Don't you think? The whole business about magic doesn't work. Generally, magic doesn't work about making something happen going forward. It works by changing all the past events necessary, including making people be born who didn't weren't born before, in order to create a scenario. Well, right. She
1: she feels that yeah. She feels that what's happened is the culmination of uh, you know everything that's happened in her life is the result of spells to culminate in getting her where she needs to go. Right which is an interesting way of looking at it, whether that's completely crazy or not. It's fascinating.
0: She doesn't know, and the fairies sort of imply that, that they sort of don't have a, you know, necessarily... They're like, okay, we need you to be here, so we cause... And she's like, did they change the school vacation schedule for all schools in Wales and England in order that I could be here <laughs> in time to meet them. And then she gets disturbed about the book club. She's like, I don't, the guy, you remember the book clubs, uh, the, the guy who works in the library is sort of rude to her and cold the first week. And then two weeks later, he's lovely and mentions a book club they have. And she's thinking, did this 60 year old woman who's in the book club, would she never have been born if I didn't need the book club to exist? Very, very good concept.
3: I think it's got a great chance of winning because the Hugo voters are people who go to or have memberships for Worldcon. And in many ways, this book is a love letter to science fiction fandom. So I think it's going to do really well among yes. that populace.
1: And, and, and Joe Walton is a very respected. I mean, people do love her and in in the in the sci-fi and convention going community so she's not like some kind of outsider person either so and she blog she's also out there cuz she blogs regularly on tor.com she actually has done a a chapter by chapter analysis of the patrick rothfuss books that we've talked about on this podcast the name of the wind and the wise Men's fear where she's blown my mind by doing some various kind of connecting the dots of the things in the Rothfuss books, so uh, you know she's out there and she's active in in writing about this stuff too. So I, I think she's got a I think she's got a fighting chance, and I think there may be bl- backlash against George R. R. Martin. So oh, but uh,
2: one last Joe Walton thing: uh, after reading, among others, which was my first Joe Walton book, I then read three more in short succession: uh, farthing, halfpenny, and half a crown, which are fantastic. She calls it her small change trilogy, yes. in which. Uh, it's the- an it's an
1: alt history that is disguised the first book at least disguised as an Agatha Christie novel and it, and ends up oh. being much more like 1984. Yes. And They're it's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. I haven't read the third one of those yet, but I read the first two and they are they are spectacular. I will I said this on a previous podcast, I will read anything by Joe Walton now because she is as that will good. As will I. Yeah. I'm
0: going to go retcon having read everything she's written. Actually, First I have it. to
3: read everything she's read because <laughs> I'm treating among others as my new book list.
2: Oh uh, and there's a there's a website yeah. that uh, someone has listed every book uh with a cover that she mentions in um among oh, others.
1: Nice. Which is pretty cool. All right, shall we move on to to leviathan wakes let's talk oh, about leviathan, leviathan, leviathan wakes <laughs> by james let's s cory which is a fake name because it's actually yeah. george r r martin's assistant yeah, <laughs> yeah. assistant that. yes and a co-author His good and great friend yes who's yes. who's like an agent or works at a publishing company or something but anyway so it's a it's a it's a this is a this is a space opera would you say scott uh, I
2: would say that – well, this is a <clears> – <throat> so it's interesting. It is kind of a space opera. I would say it's a small-scale space opera because it's yeah. within the solar system. It's like asteroids uh, and moons. Exactly. And so it's not really – when you think space opera, tr- traditional space opera, it's kind of you know galaxy spanning and there are huge numbers yeah. of spaceships. And that's not really what this book is. It's uh, They are kind of – they are within the solar system – uh, they go to different asteroids and planets and things, um, but there isn't a large amount of kind of um, like vessel combat or anything like that. Right? There's a little um, bit,
1: but but not a lot. Yeah. So it's it's
2: kind of it's it's certainly the I think the purest science fiction novel that has been among the nominees. Um,
1: yeah, I guess I guess so. I mean, I guess I guess you'd have to say it is. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. It's told in two time frames. There's the uh, captain. He doesn't start out as the captain, but he ends up as the captain of this crew of people <laughs> on these various spaceships. And then there's this guy Miller, who's a uh, cop on the edge, a cop on the beat on, <laughs> in an asteroid, and he Barney is, and he is a very space much, cop on the edge. He is a space cop on the edge, a space cop on the edge, Whoa.
3: and
1: <laughs> um, and he's he's fun in that he is a very noirish kind of guy where he's a uh, you know, he he's uh, he's divorced and he's got a. A drinking problem, and he has a partner who's kind of problematic because his partner is like a, a an earther. He's yeah. not a, a, a outside, you know, spacer kind of guy. And there's a conspiracy, and uh, and, and, and they're going to take his badge away. Yeah, and, 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 and actually, <laughs> it, part of it reminded me of the trick that George R. R. Martin does in the first uh, Game of Thrones and in a Game of Thrones, where there's a prologue that says something really strange is happening. And then he la- and then, he just yeah. lays it there for like three hundred pages, and you think you're reading one novel, and um, a- and you realize I'm only halfway through, and this is wrapping up. What is gonna happen? And then you realize, oh right, the prologue. It's like oh, surely, yes. the-, the was that what I thought it was? Are there that really weird things? You know. Yeah. Sp- Base vomit zombie people <laughs> running around? And the answer is yes, <laughs> yes, there are vomit zombies, and yes, vomit <laughs> zombies is how he refers to them in the book. <laughs> this
2: book I think is a lot of fun to read. Um and it was it well the first time I should admit that I, I attempted to read this uh and my first attempt failed because I read the the begin the prologue and uh for whatever reason it did not interest me at all. So I put it aside. Um but I am glad that it was nominated for a Hugo because that forced me to actually read the whole thing. Uh and it was once you get past well at least once I got past the first like 30 pages I was hooked. Um I must have stopped at 29 the first time. Right. Um,
1: well I thought you'd like the 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 noirish de- space detective guy part too. Well he
2: he was not in the the
1: prologue uh, though, so yes. I was like
2: ah, why why is there not a a uh, a guy wearing a space fedora that's what I say. Right. Um
3: He does. He He does. I know. All time.
0: Yeah.
2: That's. I was like, yes. Space Fedora finally
3: unlocked. Yes, Fedora. I. I may be wrong about this, but I felt like the parts that weren't the space cop. May have started life as Firefly fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd read that somewhere. It, it is, I that Cap- I that captain is that Captain is kind of gruff and uh... And he, he, yeah, you've got a gruff captain who's got a code of honor but plays by his own rules. He's flanked <laughs> by a huge weapon obsessed guy, and his second in command a super competent lady of vague ethnicity. Yeah.
0: Who's <laughs> a great engineer,
3: who's a fantastic yeah.
0: engineer and can and fix anything with
3: spitting whatever. And they do a lot of quippy things in the middle of fights, and you know he looked over and shrugged. I thought you knew. Parts of but, it felt very Whedoney uh, in in a good way, but
0: I uh, I especially liked. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Holden is sort of uh, the uh, Holden, captain is right. sort of grizzled. He was awfully grizzled, even though I think he was supposed to be quite young. At the same time, it's a little unclear. I lost he, track he was of how old he's supposed to be. Grizzled to be, before his time. Yeah, well, he's supposed to be handsome and. Uh, and vigorous and virile well, and he's yet such also a, he's grizzled. He's a weird
1: character because he is – for a guy who's not in charge, he is super competent it, yeah. it, with the one exception, which is that he can't sh- shut up and he says stupid stuff over public airwaves, right? He, like, gets mad and says things that are true, but impolitic. But other than that, he's, like, super competent, which I thought was kind of funny, because he's not like he was ever the captain before. He was not the captain before, but then the captain and many other people die, and he's the captain. (laughs) But he gets
0: some great lines, like, it's like, you know, just for once, I'd like to get off a ship or planet and not have it be blown up behind
1: me. Well, he know? does get a complex about that, too, right? He's like, it's true. It keeps happening over and over and over again. And then, but, and then there are the, the moments where the stories intersect that are actually very funny because the two main characters are like, oh, these are my buddies. I'm following them through here. They hate each other, essentially, when they <laughs> meet. True. And then
3: they're, they're forced to work together.
1: Of course they are because it's an I've, odd couple and they're forced to work in together. Space.
3: <laughs> in space. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. It wasn't. Deep, I thought it lasted maybe 150 pages too long. I agree. There's a spot that I mm, agree, uh, yeah. Yes, there's a spot that felt like the end, and then it just kind of kept going. I kept
0: looking at the page count, I was like, Surely we're wrapping up here. And I'm like, Oh my god, I'm at page like 400 <laughs> no, and 500 and something.
2: I do yeah. think so. The uh, Miller um gets obsessed with solving this murder or looking for this girl, it's, it's about a girl, it's about a girl, right? He gets obsessed. <laughs> Uh, and then he starts having conversations with her and kind of hallucinates uh, about her. And I thought that was, uh, w- and another novel that's nominated has a similar device. And I thought it was much better executed in *Leviathan Wakes* than in another of the nominees.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I guess so. I thought that was weird, but it was sort of like you know we accept that he's kind of gone crazy and is obsessed with it, and and that worked for me. The thing that bugged me, I think, was the was in the other. Uh, in the parallel story there's this whole subplot about you know oh i'm the captain but i love the girl who's the second in command but i can't do anything because i'm the captain but i love her (laughs) and then she's like but i've always loved you (laughs) and it's like well then (laughs) let's do it and they go (laughs) off and then it's all weird and awkward and i i thought that was just so bizarre that it's like such a strange like is I don't I don't know. It seemed a bit much to me. That was that was just like really. Is that what do we want to have? Well, we got vomit zombies here. Do we really exactly. need the unrequited love of the captain? I, and uh, I I'll I will
0: also say there is like let's talk about let's talk about science now. The proto molecule, like good device, but they there's something I don't know. There's something both like interesting and sloppy. It's like this thing, this proto molecule, whatever it is, can like take over any life form it encounters, and it's. It's uh, anaerobic somehow, so they have to vomit it out to spread it, and they're constantly, <laughs> constantly around places in which the thing should be everywhere, and it should be airborne just as particles, not, like, aerosolized or whatever, and they don't get infected. Like, they're constantly, constantly around things being blown up, shot, exploded, yeah. seeping, and you're like, no, no, these guys, they're wearing the space suit, and they're, no couldn't, no, couldn't possibly, like, a little bit of that, you know, th- it was when you have the creeping crud – you have to have a little better explanation about why the crud doesn't infect
1: people. That's true. I mean, this is also not Uh, the only book that has zombies in it, but... um, That's true. The, I... I liked the premise that there's zombies. a there's an interstellar biological weapon yeah, that we've yes. un, that we sort of dodged a bullet on, and now oh, people yeah. have uncovered it. And and also yeah. to draw a parallel to the George R. R. Martin stuff, it's sort of like everybody's fighting with each other over the control of this thing when in
3: fact this thing is going to kill us all. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It was a little Z yeah. with the bioweapon. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to say it was like Whedon meets Alien, but then I realized that happened in Alien Resurrection. <laughs> right. I, I love the scene. <laughs> I love those scenes where they they basically
1: have this plan where they're gonna kill everybody on the one asteroid in order to test out this thing and they throw them in like the radiation oh, so, yeah. and that leads to a funny thing where our guys get dosed with radiation at a fatal level if they don't get help and they're not sure if the ship is still there and they have to get through all of the series of things and I thought that would make a good I mean that's like the thing you put in the movie right it's like a nice set piece that they go through where they think they're gonna die and they're trying to get out of this asteroid that essentially everybody in it is gonna die because they've all been infected i thought that was kind of cool that the 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 villains of the piece the corporate corporate <laughs> villains of course it's a corporation that's very alien too actually are uh, are sabotaging this in order to test out
3: this terrible thing that's going to kill all of humanity i liked their desperate escape there i felt the radiation sickness kind of got forgotten towards the end of the book yeah. certainly by me
0: yeah oh they got cured yeah. No, they oh, no, they didn't yeah. get cured. No, the the uh, no, they were taking, taking pills. pills and stuff. He's yeah. taking pills, and he's probably going to be ill the rest of his life. And Miller winds up, you know, you know what happened. No, I, what, I know what so
3: happened? Do you remember yeah. what happened to no, Miller? You. don't <laughs> let that happen to you. Yeah. Oh dear. I think and, I'm um, pretty safe that it won't happen to me. But I'll, I wanted not.
0: to. <laughs> I want to draw a parallel to a pair of know. books. I was thinking about the alien threat thing, like the idea that alien civilizations. I mean, there is that notion in some sci-fi that. Um, and you see it in actually quite a bit of the space opera stuff is that if you don't, if, if humans don't expand to fill the universe, some other more successful species will. Because even though space is, you know, it's not virtually infinite, there's only a finite amount of space in the galaxy uh, and all habitable planets for a particular, you know, life form type will be filled. And there's um, Greg Baer has a, you uh, know, I stopped, I don't know, there's some authors you sort of run out of patience with. Yeah.
1: Or or you read or you read Darwin's Radio. Either way, yeah, you stop reading. Exactly.
0: But Forge of the Forge of God is 1987 book, and then the sequel Anvil of Stars are beautifully paired books. I highly recommend the Forge of. God is, uh, Earth gets attacked by some, it's a bizarre thing. It's like first contact and then things start to fall apart. And it turns out it's basically aliens using a technique. I think they vaporize like one of the moons of uh, of Jupiter in order to have uh, the mass necessary to carry out the attack, but it's automated self-replicating machines that go through and destroy any other trace of life in the universe so that they don't wind up becoming a threat and trying to, you know, look for Lebensraum
1: later. There's a series of books uh, by Jack McDevitt that are like that too, where there's basically these Omega clouds that come through, and they figure out that it, they're essentially, um, you know, they're they're intelligent things, you know, not creatures, but machines that are searching for like straight lines and par- and parallel lines and things that are mm-hmm. signs of of a hu- of life, and if they find them, then they destroy the planets. <laughs> so yeah, same I, I think
0: there's something. I think there's a, a reasonable, rational. You know, thing to say, like, if you can travel between the stars and if life just wants to expand, then it's not, it's not implausible in the scheme to of things, of things. I think that other civilizations would attempt, would specifically attempt to destroy all other life because ostensibly other life would spread and to try to destroy them. So, uh, but the, those books are great. And I thought that's a little bit, the proto molecule was like the, you know, a more of a horror movie version of something that was, uh, very sleek and, and well presented in, uh, in that pair of books
1: uh we should move on to our fifth book I don't <laughs> who, who, did you like it who here has read deadline by mira
3: grant i have not i i was living my life and being happy uh yeah all right
1: <laughs> i was not okay briefly. so so let's recap here uh this is the sequel to feed which is a book yes. that was nominated for the hugo award last year and and what's worse uh, came in second. <laughs> uh, good. Don't do don't even remind oh, me of that, Scott, Jason. Um, feed, suffice it to say, in, in Incomparable history, in our modest history of people who listen to The Incomparable, I think it goes down as the most disliked book that we've ever discussed. Scott and I read it. We really, really, really didn't like it. No. Uh, and, of course, the sequel got nominated, and Scott and I looked at each other across the internet <gasps> and said, well, I guess we have to read it and and we both said well maybe it's good well that may be going too far but <laughs> but I wanted to be open minded about it right I wanted to be open minded despite the fact that I didn't like feed and as I read deadline a few things occurred to me I questioned my life no, I, I, <laughs> and I my choices that had led me to this point I wondered why I was doing a podcast and if that fair stop. fair questions uh but what I was reminded of I was reminded of the things I liked about feed Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, yes in that were, in that the, the world that she built in feed is interesting it's got lots of interesting rules and some nice texture to it it's this world where there's been a zombie apocalypse but it's kind of under control only sort of not but it's not like a total apocalypse it's just like they, they they're infestations and occasionally there are outbreaks and you've got to have your blood tested all the time but they're like working on it and there are these yeah, blogger you know. networks and they broadcast uh, their blogs and their videos and yep. and you know that that all I liked that part of it. I didn't li- I want don't want to really say her world building. I mean, I guess her world building was good. The way she dis- explained all of the stuff that she built into the world was really clumsy. The yep. writing style really bothered me and then there's some terrible characters in feed that are just te- telegraphed villains and things like that. So it re- so as I read, I was reminded of the good and the bad about oh, feed. Yes. And I was the best thing about
2: feed. So this is a spoiler. So if you haven't read feed, and you you want to read it, you should not <laughs> listen to what I'm about to say. Right. Uh, so the main
1: character, uh, a Feed, a narrator, someone who you think cannot die, does in fact die. She gets infected, the- becomes a zombie, and her brother uh, shoots her
2: in the back of the head. Yes, which is is uh, an amazing choice, and it was it was. Uh, uh I give her full credit for yeah. for writing that. It was fantastic. The best part of feed, the rest of it was complete and total crap. And I would like the time I spent reading it back, yep. but instead, that was, instead I've read, read the, the second, second one. one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so Scott, what? Uh, okay, let's see what we can agree on here. Um, I thought this was a better book than feed. I will agree to that, although very low bar. Yeah, it is. It is a low bar. So here's the thing. I feel like she did. I I feel like the there is there isn't a stock villainous character like the like the the conservative Republican vice president guy who had a mustache and did twist it. <laughs> I, 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 it's true. I thought that was better. I thought the General part, Snidely Whiplash. She didn't do what she did in the first book, where literally, you know, you'd be in the middle of a conversation and then she'd go away and tell you about her world building for four pages and then come back to the conversation. I felt like That's true. She set the world well, she, up and yeah. she did a little, uh, you know, and what she did drop in was not as as kind of painfully uh, inserted. It was it was a little more natural. That's true. And um,
2: t- teacup bulldogs, very cute
1: yeah right right which is all part of the thing that that's the episode that we discussed it was called zombie marmaduke because the idea is that if dogs get too big then they go into zombie they become zombie dogs so you can only have tiny dogs tiny animals
2: tiny tiny dogs
1: yeah yeah and so some other things so the the main character's brother is the narrator for this we we have this story where they are um, discovering that there's a conspiracy, a vast oh, zombie-related conspiracy in the CDC. Ooh, the CDC, they're bad. The CD- I've never trusted the CDC. No, no. you can't. They say they're no. going to cure us of things, but don't believe them. Don't believe them for a minute. So, you know, I i read the whole thing. I, it, it, <laughs> it, I got to the end and I didn't die. I, I thought... Um, you know, I thought some of it was interesting. I thought some of it was bizarre. We had more of the this very strange. I mean, the brother and sister were adopted, so they're not yes. genetically related. No, and yet she won't come out and say that they basically had sex with each other, and and it's but, implied. But they are it, the amount of mooning that goes on about about uh, over one another and about him about his dead sister is it bizarre is and uncomfortable. Disturbing. And then there's a
2: scene in this book in which uh, he is, is. So this isn't. This is. We're going to spoil this. book. Yes. So if you want to read this, just stop listening now and never uh, come back. Never come back. He's stop listening <laughs> forever because you should not read this book. Um, but if you do, and you don't want to be spoiled, you should stop listening now. So he has sex with some other chick in the book. Yes. Uh, and of course, he he calls out his sister's name in the of process course. of that which is wrong on many levels because a it's cheap uh and b it is disgusting so <laughs> i was both uh disgusted and appalled as a reader and as someone who uh writes in that she used such a cheap and predictable thing
1: yeah yeah you know so also i got i got to say though there's a there's this affectation there there's only one pokemon with a stick in this which was all in the first book. It's all, uh, yeah. Music. But they are, they are. I I
2: made note of. Uh, so the first I have some notes oh, no. because I I didn't want to forget. But but how much Coke. I, that's what I, I wanted to talk
1: about. Is he keeps oh, drinking. I have a list of 50 names. There's, there's a great detail about <laughs> about this character oh, drinking God. drinking Coke. And I, all I guess the, time. the idea is that he's talking to his dead sister in his head because she's in his head, like she's Spock innocent. inside Doctor McCoy's head in Star Trek Three or something like that, right? She's in his head. But far worse. But far worse um and he keeps drinking coke because she liked to drink coke and it's this weird affectation and the amount of time spent detailing him opening and drinking uh, soda yes. and or coffee he's honoring his sister by drinking soda but it's like mm. this this book might as well come with a six pack of coke <laughs> just like as part <laughs> of true. a free book and, and that would uh, bring some redeeming quality to it because now you now would I'm at least, least have him. some coke <laughs>
2: um but yeah I, and that was annoying and so i mentioned about leviathan wakes uh miller uh you know imagining that the the dead girl is speaking to him and i said that that was done i think better than the uh the similar plot device that was in uh, this book and that's because every time he hears uh george's voice he thinks to himself Oh, I am crazy, and I am hearing my dead sister, and that is crazy. He, she just says that over and over again. Yeah. And at a certain point, you think, you know what? You could just have him hear his sister's voice, and we, the reader, <laughs> will <laughs> figure out that he's probably
1: a little crazy. Might be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah, need and, and to. Instead, to, we have the scene every chapter where he says something, and somebody goes, "Huh? What?" It's Like they've been with this guy how long now? Do they not know? I mean, it's clear he's talking to his sister. I think everybody got it. Then there's yeah. so there's a part I like where they go visit this crazy scientist who has this lab that's like a rogue lab and they're trying to research the, the, the zombie virus. Mm-hmm. I liked I liked that part. And when they leave, they basically like blow it up because they yeah. can't be. They have to go somewhere else now. Thanks yeah, they, for coming. It. We got to yeah. blow this place up now. I like that. You know that the but the the whole CDC thing. I mean, yeah, it's a very very much. A, oh, it's a conspiracy. But the thing that really got me about it is, uh, you know, well, okay, first off. <laughs> it seems odd to me that there's this. There's a lot of revelation of like, oh, do you know what this means? Hmm, no. And then it goes for several chapters and <laughs> then you very slowly figure out what it means when it might be actually quite clear what it means and you could say yeah. it and we could move on. Sure. And then it also seems strange that um, there, there seems to have been very little effort to actually – for anybody to learn anything about the zombie virus apparently in order for <laughs> this plot to happen – which doesn't seem very realistic to me, that after all these years, suddenly there's a crack in the case where somebody's noticed something about the zombie virus that's incredibly important to it. So there's that. And then the other part is feed. The whole end of feed is that the guy who worked with them becomes the vice president of the United States, and they work closely with the guy who becomes the president of the United States. So in Mm -hmm. this book, these people have amazing connections (laughs) in the U.S. government, and yet... At, at several points there's a well we can't really call him no he's busy Why? he's a busy guy we Why don't would he care about call the most favors.
2: important thing that has oh my ever God. happened
1: <laughs> yeah yeah oh it might be a conspiracy involving the real truth behind the zombie virus and that it might not actually be fatal and there's all lots of, lots of other things we learned too and the cdc is controlling everybody and they're the puppet masters but you know we, we know the vice president and the president personally and saved yeah, their lives on but, numerous occasions now yeah, let's not bother them they're probably busy with legislation
2: or something. Yeah. I hear there's a new green act that okay. they're working on.
1: So since we're deep in the spoilers, here's the here's the worst part about this uh, book, which I is – I, I like the fact that he talks to Georgia, his sister, because it's like, well, I killed her in the previous book, but I'm going to – I'm but gonna she's have still her. She's still in it, right? You can yeah. remember her, and he's internalized her, and that's, that's interesting. And even it's, though
2: I think it was ham-fisted, I yes. thought it was a good choice and a right. good way to bring that character back.
1: Right, right. And I, like I said, I like the world, but the, the, the end of the book is uh, because we've oh. set, we've been set up because the carrot one character comes to them and and she's supposed to be dead, but they found her clone. Oh, and I will tell you, once I
2: heard the word clone, I oh, thought, man, she is not going to do this, is she?
1: And the last chapter of the book is that uh, that uh, the dead character from the first book, Georgia, wakes up in like the CDC and is alive. Yep. And that's an I. I... So bold! Th- you threw the e-book across the room at that moment, didn't you, Scott? I got this book from the library because oh. I refused to pay for it. So oh. I got I, it with I, my with my Hugo nomination uh, payment. So I got. To uh, read it for free. I was I was hopeful that it would be better,
2: but I was. Certain- well, it's better. It is better. It's be- that's true. It is better, and I and it, we should point out that you know we criticize these things, and I, I'm sure she worked very hard on it, and it I'm shows sure. that she loves this this. A- and uh, she universe. has a lot
1: of she has a lot of fans.
2: She has a lot of fans, and so uh, I I appreciate her effort, but I do not appreciate the final product. No,
1: <laughs> I I so I was trying. So Scott, I, I was trying to think because this has become sort of famous that we don't like these books. Um, I was trying to think about, um. Why I don't like it and why other people like it. And it, it because it's mm-hmm. fascinating to me that she has a following. It got nominated for the best novel two years in a row. The series has gotten nominated. So why she has a following. She... Um, Kids like zombies. People like zombies. People do like zombies. And she really likes zombies. The setting is fun. Right? Yeah. There, there's, it's this kind of wacky bloggers and zombies, and it's, it's an interesting oh, combination that you haven't seen another, before. Another thing about
2: the the Go for it. So, so the whole – one of the main premises of the book, right, is that the mainstream media is ineffectual now. Nobody pays attention to it. It's all bloggers. Bloggers are cool. Everybody gets their news from bloggers. We are hit over the head time and time again. Bloggers are where you get your information from yeah. because the mainstream media is is no good, Right.
1: If they exist at all, I mean. If you know. they
2: exist at all, and then so this thing happens, and there's this big like uh, cloud that's turning people into zombies, right? Uh, and you, the main characters, are a group of like the most world famous bloggers, and they are sitting in a house watching the mainstream media right. cover the biggest story that's happening. And I was like, "What? That's what? The, what out- the outbreak on? of the yeah." <laughs> Why? Why aren't they reading blogs? You have to be consistent with your own. And they're you know, watching they TV. They're watching TV. It
1: doesn't make any sense. All right. So so it, it, I don't know why I'm talking like this. I don't but, know. <laughs> so um so so I so I'm trying to understand why people like it, and I think it is the setting and the concepts involved, and it's fun and uh, and all that. And then I was trying to think why don't I like it? Uh, and as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, okay, what is it about this that bugs me? And and you know. In the first book, it was some of the cardboard characters, and there are a lot of there are a lot of cardboard characters in this too. Mm-hmm. Um, the the you know the some of the dialogue is I mean it's really clunky, mm-hmm. and, and I I think bottom line is I don't like her writing style. I think her yeah. plot is kind of bizarre and and not very good. Um, the 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 dialogue isn't very good. But she, the world is interesting, right? And I, I think so. I think the success of these books has a lot to do with interesting world and a few kind of dynamic characters at the center—the brother and the sister—and they're fighting for you know what's right and the yeah. you know. And I, as far as I know, this is like the Citizen Kane of zombie fiction. I, I, I don't. I mean, there are not a lot of great. I, I haven't read a lot of zombie books, and maybe this is among the better of the zombie books. But but that that's the thing that really I noticed about it is that the. I just I don't like her writing style although I will say I think it's better. I think that it's better I, than In Feed. So it for, is for better what it's worth, than Feed. But I don't think it's a good book. I don't no. think I don't hate it with a, the fire of a thousand burning suns like I hated no. Feed. It's probably um, 500 burning suns for me now. Yeah, it's fewer burning suns that I hate a yeah. book with. Um, but I, I will say this, if this wins the Hugo Award, um, oh. then next year join us for our Nebula Award podcast, because I'm going to just give up on the Hugo Awards. I, I completely agree.
0: Well, we just have the Incomparable Awards next year, that's all. Yeah, oh, there, you, there go. you go. And
2: that's I will nominate
0: Mira Grants
2: next no!
1: year. No! <laughs> Book three is out oh, no. now, Where they, they? I want to know how it the ends. The clone! No, I, what I what don't happened care. with the clone? Send in the clones. Maybe they'll call the president in chapter one and solve the... Uh, whole and then it'll be done. <laughs> yeah. It just... The yeah. End. You know, it's, I don't know, it works for some people and that's great. I don't really understand why other than that maybe just the setting is fun. But it, it for me, and you know, I read lots of different stuff. I, I'm not a snooty, like, oh, well, I, it must be beautiful art for me to read it. It's just, I just don't think no, it's no. very good. So I, anyway.
2: I read lots of novels that are just fun. And obviously this is what this novel is supposed to be. Yeah. It's <laughs> supposed to be a fun story, right? And I my my other problem with this book is uh and then i'll stop <laughs> yeah,
0: There are other 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 you yes
2: saying? so so the whole thing right zombies it's a big deal right they're they're an important part of this world uh and how many zombies are in this book probably like two where are the zombies in this stupid book yeah the, that well, is my they, problem
1: they they have the zombie outbreak at their at their uh headquarters in oakland right yeah, at which, the beginning which get firebond at the very beginning and then lots of crap and then, happens. And then and then there and then there's the zombie attack when he's like on the road or something, right?
2: Yeah, but that they don't really do anything with those zombies as far as. I'm... She she didn't want it, to pay for all the zombie extras, he the production costs. It's a very low zombie ratio. If I were No, it's know, know, a lot
1: they're in a, it's like they're in a house, they're in a lab. They're in that exactly. house. Like that house getting time. groceries, also drinking Coke, <laughs> drinking Coke and getting groceries from the store. I mean, Making there's a whole thing a lot. about them. Going Is this a sponsored groceries.
0: book? Did I miss something? Is Coca, Coca-Cola, it may be. The
2: it may be. Who knows? And I, I was Not that was solid. fine. You know, drink Coke. I like Diet Pepsi myself, but hey, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that.
1: If I will drink you, my coke and think of my dead
0: sister. This discussion reminds me of uh, of in Futurama, you know, there's only two cops you ever see in like the entire series who apparently do all the policing. I'm thinking there's like two zombies and they work really, really <laughs> yeah, hard. They're really, really out yeah.
1: they're dead on their feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so if you if you like zombies, you may not like this book. If you like Exactly <laughs> If you like future blogger government conspiracies involving virology that's and it. the this and the methods the of transmission of various viruses and also occasionally rapid cloning of people into adult bodies which is completely impossible i love that anyway um the, it's got that this is i endorse it <laughs> is
0: is Felicia Day going to play Georgie in the movie version is that the plan i hope uh, not for
1: her sake oh, but no. there is going to be a, apparently a movie version of feed so good luck Ugh, all well right sure. so anyway deadline um, I will be rating that sixth in on my ballot below no award. <laughs> I, I I
2: will now make clear that I did not like Deadline. All right, and I do not think right. but, it should have
1: been nominated. But in the spirit of openness and I, just how open-minded Scott and I really are, yes, it was. It was better than Feed. It was better than Feed. If if That's if so that sweet. is the
2: if Feed were the only book you had ever read in your life deadline would be good <laughs> would be the best book you had ever the, read it would read. be the wow. best book you ever read yes
0: wow that's amazing
1: <laughs> yeah
2: okay Ooh. and so, and uh the author can use that and, as a blurb on her book if yeah know. i'm
1: sure <laughs> wow <laughs> I'm well, sure better than feed. Work better than it? feed? That's <laughs> so right. So I,
0: can I put the? Um, I'm going to get my rubber. I'm getting my uh, my rubber pole, and I'm going to poke you guys because you've been touching the third rail and you can't let go. And I'm going to not electrocute myself while I knock you off the electrical yes, feed. Yes, let's,
1: let's talk about the oh, other feed. other uh, other books that have been uh, nominated for, for awards this awards. year. Just really quickly, so the Nebula Awards, which are voted on by. Uh, the Science Fiction Writers
0: Association. And were awarded in May, in fact. Yes.
1: So the nominees, and, and, and among others, won. Did it not? Woohoo right. yes. Rightfully so. Yes. It did.
3: Yay.
1: So among others, won. Uh, Embassy Town was a nominee.
2: Well deserved.
1: Um, Firebird by Jack McDevitt. I can't remember if I, I've read a lot I'm of unaware. his. I'm not okay. sure if I've read that one. I have not read any Jack McDevitt. I mean. It's always oh, fun. He it's a uh, it's very space opera. It's people with spaceships. Oh, it's that's an Alex Benedict. I don't know. Maybe I have read that. Um, <laughs> no, because they're all the same, but they're great. It's like Alex Benedict is like Indiana Jones in space and he finds um people think that he's a like a relic like they they, some people think he's a thief because he's stealing relics but he's actually finding the relics and he stumbles on mysteries and he solves them and people are you know there's sudden violence and he barely escapes with his life and they're fun they're like space opera mystery books um and he has these two series and the alex benedict is the is the uh the space archaeologist and then there's the uh the hutch series where there's priscilla hutchins and she's a pilot and they're otherwise pretty much exactly the same Every time, and they're great. I enjoy them. They're they're fun. So I, um, I
2: I own some books by him, but I haven't read them. So maybe I will put them in my rotation.
1: Yeah, they're. You, I think you'd like them just because they're fun. You know, fun stuff. Um,
3: well, it's a God's Lally?
1: War by Cameron Hurley. Hmm. I, have I have no idea. I don't know where Nightshade Books. It is. Uh, it has a very striking cover. Uh, deadly government funded assassin uh i don't know anyway so that's that was dominated (laughs) mechanique a tale of the circus trisulte by genevieve valentine i also have no idea (laughs) no idea but that title is very good it's a
3: circus that may be a pen name
1: (laughs) it could be this steampunk flavored circus story other zeppelins uh, I don't know but you one can hope oh, there are aerialists. Maybe. There's okay, a
2: well. Zeppelin and uh they try to fit as many clowns as they can into like, it. If it's steam <laughs> that would be thousands of them. It, send steam- in the clowns. Steampunk
1: steampunk flavored and The Kingdom of Gods which I have not read but is a sequel I, by NK Jemisin yes, to The 100,000 Kingdoms, right? That
0: book. I love all three books. I think the books are they're they're not perfect but they are um They're unique. There's a flavor to the writing. Um, There's a beauty to it. There's world creation. uh, uh, There's romance. There's um, just, I just think they're terrific. I've actually reread them. I don't have time to reread much. And I've reread two of the three and we'll reread the third because they're actually rich enough and interesting enough. Very compelling characters at the center in the middle of all these gods and wars and things like that. Great world. Great world she created.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, hundred thousand kingdoms is the only one I've read, but I liked that. I like that a lot, and that was one of my favorites from last year, I guess, or two years yeah, ago. Yeah the two the
0: years. second the second and third amazingly it's a trilogy in which the second and third I would say are equally good or better, and there's some good payoff in the third from having read all three. And this is a fantasy
1: which, series where there's like gods yeah. that have been um have been captured by humans, and they so there's like an all powerful god and then there are like gods that have been captured and there's a whole conspiracy about like the gods and what they're trying to do and uh you know a young girl is brought out of a village and it turns out she has more uh to there's more to her life than she expected which is traditional and yet uh really well executed i like i like that it's book just a lot.
0: Neat, neat neat writing beautiful writing and very early novelist too i don't think she's written much and then she bruces yeah. Three very, very solid books that will hold up over time, I think. And she's started a new series. The first book is available now. I can't remember the name of it. She's prolific, too. Oh, gosh darn her prolificness.
1: Somebody in the chat room is saying that the gods had been captured by other gods. I thought it was like the gods and the people work together to trick the other gods into – There's sort of yeah. a war
0: between – there's, there's three central creation – there's three central creation yeah. gods and one of them manages to kill one and imprison the other and all of his allies. Right. And that's the theme of the first. And the second, uh, there's sort of a reversal of fortunes and right. the primary god has to cope with that. And um, then the third – focuses on a Loki-like character who's like a later god, but ah. sort of important in his own way. It's ah, bit neat cool. stuff. Very real, very realistic in the sense of feeling like actual human interaction in the middle of all this giant stuff happening.
1: Okay, and now to the Locust Awards, which are given by the uh, British Science Fiction magazine Locust, and uh, not by actual locusts. <laughs> that would be <laughs> so cool. though. <laughs> well, the winner every year of the Locust Awards is... Bzz- <laughs> <laughs> Which is not so good. <laughs> so um so uh the winner was Embassy Town. Woohoo! Interesting little home field advantage there for the uh English. Um Leviathan Wakes was nominated. Eleven twenty two sixty three by Stephen King was nominated. Uh, and I enjoyed yeah. that book. I, I enjoyed that book quite a bit. Mm, other people did not. Oh, <laughs> But I like it.
2: The locusts did not care.
1: (laughs) No, it was nominated. It was very nice. Um, You know, that's Stephen King's time travel book. We did a whole episode about that where he goes, the guy goes back in time to try and stop the Kennedy assassination. And it's all very nostalgic and nice. And then there's this weird part where he goes back into the future and Maine is part of Canada. And that part isn't very good.
0: (laughs) Wish fulfillment. Very
3: confusing.
1: Uh, Rule Thirty Four by Charles Stross was nominated I, here. I read. I this. read that.
0: I read that too. You know, actually, I I Neither thought it was not. sort of fun, even though it was unwieldy, and it, it was better than other as others I I, that I read. And he he really kept me going for quite a while with it. I so think, this until- is
1: a, this is a a series of his that's set in a future uh, Scotland that sort of devolved from the UK and is semi-independent or mostly independent, but it's part of this part of Euro- the European Union, and so you know it's Strauss doing some projection of like near future technology and like the police it's a it's a crime story and the police have like augmented reality where they are they're looking things up the, and they can the band know, they, no <laughs> yes yeah, sting has a little headset wow. and no the, this uh the scottish policewoman has uh you know they they're all equipped with their computers and stuff and there's a there's a, a an encryption uh is this the one with the encryption breach? I mean, they find people dead and they've all been di- – they all died. No, it's, it's
0: the it's, – no, the, the Rule 34 thing is – as we know, that's from XKCD. Didn't he coin that? It's that – and he – he, It predates the, that. Oh, OK. But Rule 34 for, the, for listeners who don't if know. If you could
1: imagine anything, there's pornography of it on the yeah, internet. Yeah, And
0: so the Rule 34 squad, the informally named Rule 34 squad in the Scottish police force is sort of policing the internet for stuff that's you know beyond the pale and trying to figure out if it's real or if it's – they're checking out memes and all kinds of crap. And, what right. essentially happens is like – I mean you know, I'm going to do the spoiler here. It's like rogue computer software develops enough intelligence to sort of influence a lot of outcomes and kill off bad people and um, all the people who might shut it down. And there's a really weird thing about credit default swaps happening in a breakaway republic that's right. an attempt to dump the debt onto evil right. bankers. There's like a, there's
1: and- like a shell c- uh, country where like the big country has taken part, the poor part of it and – and and made it be independent and put all its debt inside it. Which is it's this a crazy, great idea. I read this idea, and I was yeah. like, why has this not
0: happened yet? That some country has done it, and then they then they all vote for being merged back with the big country, shed all the debt, and the country is solvent yeah. again. While all the bankers take the take it in their shorts. It was it was a revenge fantasy against bankers.
1: And there's a really cool um, villainous character who um, who we follow, who like is killing people and he he's he's really messed up like he's he's a very disturbing kind of character but fascinating yeah, in use, his own way and they use some brain chemistry drugs to keep him on he
0: keep himself under control but then he loses control and yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, that's the other book that in Leviathan Wakes, there's also a character that one of the evil, the sort of big evil guy, um, there's a bit about his eyes being dead, like the eyes of a shark. And I think that's also, if the line isn't in rule 34, there's something about it is writers like to use sociopaths because you can have them do improbable, horrible things and without having to provide a right. motivation.
1: Right. So, so I, so I thought there were lots of interesting bits in rule 34, but like halting state, which is the one with the encryption breach, um, I feel like it's. I feel strangely disconnected from the straw stuff. I feel like I, you know, there's not really much of an emotional connection. I, 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 I it's a parade of interesting near future technical, like technological speculation, and I like that about it. But the characters are, you know, there's some interesting characters. It just, it just didn't. I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel it. I, I, I appreciated it as a piece of speculation. But I didn't like it as a story, I guess, is what I'd say. And I feel that way about a lot of Strauss' yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah, that's sort of the – that is your theme. That is the Strauss-Snell theme. I think the same thing is true. I think Strauss is uh, great ideas, but I don't get any emotional connection to it. It's very mechanical even when it's very well constructed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I do like that. I mean he he has a lot to say about the economic uh, collapse and the stuff about banks and lawyers and the lawyers for the banks and the credit default swaps and the the and the, the, the shell – uh country <laughs> and all it's of an that yeah. of
0: it's an episode of planet money disguised as a sci-fi yeah. novel.
1: not not no zombies in it though uh, no zeppelins so it's just like deadline oh no and the children of the sky <laughs> by Werner Vinge, which is the uh sequel or third book in the series of the uh deepness in the sky and the uh fire upon the deep right and i haven't read it i, I read haven't the read first it. two i've read any of I read the first two and I liked them, but it was a long time ago. And then he's done this third book, and i I just haven't, I just haven't gotten to it. I like, I like a lot of his stuff, and I haven't gotten to it. Um, and then yes, as Glenn was was saying, um, yes, there is a fantasy novel category for for the Locusts. Oh, they love their fantasy. And then *A Dance with Dragons* won that category mm. over, among others, which mm. is outrageous. It is. It is an outrage. Yeah, uh, And over Snuff by Terry Pratchett. Oh, uh, I loved that and, book. And over The Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss, right. which was, again, like, as John Syracuse said, like a good book exploded, leaving little bits of good books <laughs> scattered uh, around. I, I think oh. it is, in fact, a good book.
2: I
3: enjoyed That's, it, too. Syracuse, Syracuse. is crazy. Snuff, so, Monty, what about Snuff? Uh, throughout Snuff, I was convinced that Pratchett was going to kill off Captain Vimes. Because oh, Terry so, Pratchett... So this is a, what, is they're the Night's Watch? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I've read Guards, Guards, so I... And Terry Pratchett is getting to the end of his writing career. Yes. Mm-hmm, and any book could be his last, so I was really afraid that he was going to up the stakes and just finish Vimes off completely, especially with a book called Snuff. Sure. <laughs> Did he? No. Okay. (gasps) Did you like it though? Uh I loved it. Yeah, but you know, you don't write fifty or however many books he's up to now (laughs) and kill off your protagonists. Yeah, or do you?
1: Or mm, George R. R. Martin would say you do, but it's true.
3: Well, I guess you can if one of your other protagonists is death. Also
1: <laughs> nominated is Deathless by Catherine M. Valente. I have not read that. I read her Hugo-nominated book Palimpsest a couple years ago. Oh, you enjoyed that. So I much, thought I disliked that a lot until I read Feet. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, another blurb for her book, but I've read. I've, I think I've read something by Valente that I liked. The <laughs> uh, girl who circumnavigated uh, Fairyland. So I don't know. That's I. Good. I don't know, and then among others, like I said, uh, lost that category. Shame to the locusts. I they should go back them. into hibernation.
0: They should. Now, on the other hand, in the first novel States. category, which I'm glad they have, Night Circus, which we all really liked, uh, I yes. think, won, and Ready Player One did not. Oh. Which so is, there is justice in the and, world.
1: And Ready Player One didn't get Aww. nominated for a Hugo Award, so which is yeah. Well, is we good. talked
0: about that. At so we had a fight who was going to be on the Ready Player One episode. So many of us wanted to say. Negative things about it. And I think I mentioned I was on a podcast with Ernie Klein the other day, who is a delightful and wonderful person and I liked very much. So I hope his future That's books I will like very Very
1: nice people one. write bad books. <laughs> it's true. Very bad people write good books.
0: I want to like I want his future novels to be better so that I may like them.
1: And I didn't I nice and player. I didn't hate Ready Player One, but I wasn't I on that but, podcast. I, I I as I as I've said several times, I quite enjoyed being
3: Shamelessly pandered to by that. <laughs> oh, yeah. so. I was on that podcast, and as I said, I liked Ready Player One very much. And also, Ernie Klein wrote a great fan script for a sequel of The yeah. Crewbotz that I liked. See, nobody,
1: Monty. What's funny about these podcasts is nobody remembers the person who liked it. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> that is true. So there you go. That's a lot of uh, award-nominated novels. Um, I guess Scott. Scott, if you ranked the uh, the Hugo novels, how would you oh, uh, how would you rank them?
2: uh among others uh yes. would would be the first one I agree and
1: then I would
2: place embassy town yes, um dance with dragons,
1: uh Leviathan wakes uh and I would just drop deadline off yes, no award, and then no. deadline. you know, I think we are in agreement <laughs> I think we are in exact agreement there uh isn't I am that nice? the arbiter of truth isn't that nice Scott McNulty listen to him, he knows what 's right talking about. He, I, he, I read a little bit. So, you, know. you do. Think, you you are very well read, Jason. You you and I have uh, similar reading tastes. I think so. I think that must be the case. Although I, I I guess what this means is that I should get into historical detective fiction. Now. You should. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> I, I, apparently not. If you like it, it must it's, be good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Amazing.
2: And I I also uh, read all of the nominated short stories for the Hugo, and there are some good short stories. So if you like short stories. Check them out. I read some
3: of the fan writing. They were really good. Oh,
1: that's good. They, the Hugos also always have the uh, dramatic uh, presentation categories. And this year, um, the long form is Captain America, uh, the last Harry Potter movie, Hugo, <laughs> <laughs> Source Code, arr, arr. which is source actually code. a pretty good movie. Um, see and uh the first season of Game of Thrones, which was submitted as a long form work. Which is going to win
3: the DVD set yeah. with commentary on. Exactly.
1: I I kinda liked Hugo. I, I liked source code. Um uh What's yeah, true? I would probably vote for
3: Game of Thrones. I like Captain I America too. He, so, so who I loved Hugo. Who, I loved Hugo so put much.
1: Hugo number one, yeah, I liked it. I I liked it. I saw it in three D and didn't dislike the three D. Well Martin Screw says he knows what he's doing. He is a pretty good director, isn't he? He's
2: been around the block a few
1: times. And, and we got to say, as somebody just said in the chat room, Hugo must win the Hugo. It's true. The, the thing, <laughs> it I'm must! Always, it must!
0: I am it's the, the Hugo. Uh, rare individual in this crowd. I've only seen three 3D mov- movies. One was Avatar. Uh, One was Hugo. And uh, one was Pina, a movie by Wim Wenders. Of oh, course, yeah. a German movie. And of course. Uh, those three movies actually needed <laughs> were all aided by 3D. And, and oh, Hugo, yeah. I thought the 3D version... Um, they made really good use of space. Hugo, and, uh, and Hugo is law. a
1: movie about movie making,
0: it's and yep. a and a it's by a master filmmaker.
1: And, and so it's it's a, it's a a love letter to one of the original filmmakers, Georges by a master filmmaker, and, and then shot had- in 3D, which is this new and strange movie format by the master filmmaker. It, it's very meta and interesting, and and it's nice. And the, my and kids even liked it. Sasha Baron Cohen is in it, and my kids needed to learn about Georges Melies. They did, yeah, yeah. You know, parents should really be
0: there when you first teach your children about Georges Méliès because you know they need guidance. He did firm hand.
1: It's important
2: And he 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 filmed many early science fiction. Yes, he did. So
0: yeah, there you go. They made him like, such a lovely fellow. So, I was like, I want to meet
1: Georges Méliès too. That's all right, what happened? I'm convinced now that Hugo must must win the uh, Hugo, Hugo must Hugo. win. Uh, and and then for best dramatic presentation. Um, there's the, a bunch of Doctor Who episodes, The Doctor's Wife by Neil Gaiman, The Girl Who Waited, uh, A Good Man Goes to War, and then the Remedial Chaos Theory episode of Community, which is excellent. I've heard that's very good. And then Mm. an acceptance speech from one of the winners at last year's Hugo Awards, which I gotta say, (laughs) I gotta say, I was in the room, those guys
3: were very nice, what the hell? (laughs) That's like when the Oscars keep winning the Emmy for Best. Yeah,
1: that's exactly what it's like. I, I was in the room. They were funny. Ah, uh, what the hell! So if I if I voted in this category, I, I, I it would be a tough choice between Remedial Chaos Theory and The Girl Who Waited, which I actually think was the best episode. I, Neil Neil great. Gaiman will probably win because everybody loves Neil Gaiman, and I love Neil Gaiman too. But you know what? I think The Girl Who Waited was a better it's, episode. So
0: you know, the fl- it was a flip between the two. The Doctor's Wife was a total celebration of the whole history universe and the girl awaited was a great original spare drama that involved that used the actors exceedingly well so different kinds of things but both excellent
3: I did not like that community episode I thought it <gasps> did very little to expand on the idea of alternate realities which I've seen a million times killjoy yeah. <laughs> yes I
1: am <laughs> I liked it I, I, I really enjoyed that episode but uh, you know if, <laughs> I, if I had a vote I don't know enjoy your six seasons
3: in a movie yeah three seasons and then an extra season where everybody's fired yay (laughs) um (laughs) to save money everybody will be going to classes and studying in every every
1: (laughs) single damn episode
3: all right that brings us to the end of our
1: uh our perusal of things that were nominated for awards that we do every year uh oh what will we do until next year scott I don't know,
2: but Jason, who, who who what novel do you think will win? Not which one you think should win. Which one do you think will win? That's my oh. question. As the other person who has read all of them.
1: Oh, you know, you sound so sad. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna I'm gonna say George R.R. Martin is gonna win. It's almost certainly, don't you? It's I, from the from
0: the number of voters who are gonna vote for him, for is, the reason that they have been reading all the novels all
1: along. Yeah, that would be my guess. As well. But my hope is that Joe Walton will sneak in there. And, of course, my fear is that, that will, it will be deadline. Yeah, that will be
0: unfortunate. But.
1: So, but yeah. Well,
0: obviously, we can retcon it later and make it all work out.
1: Yes. Sure. Well, if, if, if Joe Walton's book doesn't win, then it will be because the fairies had to set up the timeline so that it okay. didn't win. We, a, we should say, you know, we just
0: need, we need to have the incomparable winners. You know, whatever, after all the awards are over, we pick our own winners and award
1: our incomparable
3: awards to them. Yeah. The uh, Martin's novels have apparently never won a Hugo.
1: Well, it, it may be one of those lifetime achievement award kind of things. Mm. Yeah. And, and the, uh, even though it's a fantasy novel and it's a, sort of a sci-fi category, a, a Harry Potter novel won at one point and I think was one of those kind of tips at the cabo Oh, Scott is disgusted by Harry Potter. I am. <laughs> so <laughs> shouldn't we wait till the last novel? I mean, we'll yeah. all be dead by they're, then. <laughs> for, for the Lord of the Rings style. Yeah, salute, yeah. Well, they want to give it to George R. R. Martin while he's still alive and writing novels and claims to be finishing them before everybody is. <laughs> yeah. And I have to feel like this is... We've reached... The
2: kind of the height of the crazy popularity of the Game of Thrones. I could be wrong, and it could get even crazily more popular. But I think maybe how could it be? I don't know. I, I don't understand how it could. But Broadway. It would Uh-oh. seem.
1: It would seem that by the time the next book comes out, the show is going to be probably winding down, and that that seemed to be. I think while the while the first season was very popular, and the book, the a new book came out. I don't know if they're going to beat that for the height of uh, of hype. But we could be wrong. That. That show is is
3: exceedingly popular, so it seems like the existence of the show means he has to hurry up and finish the series because yes. they're not just going to stop production on the show. He will run out of things.
1: Yes, very, or They'll just very much
2: Start so. writing their own story. Well, they
1: might will <laughs> diverge, and then George, then George R. R. Martin's last book will just be a novelization,
3: <laughs> which would be going to go oh, true awesome. blood on this and just completely diverge.
1: Yeah. No, I'd like that. I'd like him to have to have it, the last book just be as seen on
3: HBO. <laughs> that would be so great. This is just a novelization.
2: It has to have a crossover with Beauty and the Beast.
1: Yeah, brilliant.
3: All right. This was great. Um,
1: I'm glad that Scott and I got some of our uh, rage out, and then we appreciated many other books that were good.
2: Yes. So that's good ragecast
1: and i i highly recommend i'll put them in the show notes i'll put links to the other episodes where we discussed some of these novels in more detail for those who want to go back Um, but this was great so i'd like to thank my guests glenn fleischman thank you for being here and being so well read thank you i'm three-fifths well read thank you very much but the right three-fifths it is yes well done Monty Ashley, it was great to have you on and talking about uh, books. This was cool. I, I, you know, we we had you on for the Game of Thrones thing, but it's nice to have you back and and for you to be so well read as nice. well. It's great. I read all of those books on a cruise
3: ship two weeks ago. Wow, <laughs> that's the way to do it.
1: Good job. That was the uh, that was the uh, was Joko. No. no no, was that a Wizards of the Coast themed? That
3: was the Magic the Gathering cruise, which oh. was not an official Wizards of the Ghost ah. Wizards of the Coast event, but did have many Wizards of the Coast employees. All right. Oh, I I see. That's pretty cool. That's pretty I cool. cruise
1: ever. And strangely Jonathan Colton Very was good. on it just as a participant. No. A magic. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and scott mcnulty of course my partner in in choosing good and bad novels and reading them <laughs> thank you so much for being back and and uh helping me through my trying times with deadline uh i
2: i blame you jason i blame you it's my fault
1: I, again like i said i re- i'm rethinking my priorities in life of why am i doing a <laughs> podcast where i'm reading books like this and this and that brings to a conclusion the final episode of the incomparable goodbye i resign this podcast it. Is, over. is over or until next time when we'll talk Question about Jonathan Colton but i i refuse to be on that podcast i refuse because we already recorded it and i'm not on it that'll be next week <laughs> until then this is Jason Snell for the incomparable signing off we'll be back i'll forget about that book in a week and it'll be unless it wins an award in which case oh. Uh I'll what be, do we do? I don't know. I don't know. Another Scott. rage cast. Yeah, it may be a special.
0: <laughs> An hour of obscenity from the incomparable. <laughs> yeah,
1: that'll be fun to bleep out, the podcast <laughs> part. Alright. Good night everybody. Thank you for listening to The Incomparable. <laughs> i'd like to thank monty for suggesting zombie marmaduke in the chat we can't name another episode the same thing
2: <laughs> that would be awesome but it was zombie marmaduke two, two electric boogaloo <laughs> i did that to prove i'm still paying attention <laughs>